Welcome to the Crushing Cashflow Podcast, where we share phenomenal advice and dozens of decades of wisdom from investors and entrepreneurs of all types and all stages of their journeys. We'll cover many forms of cash flowing assets, such as real estate, stock investing, entrepreneurship, and general finance guidance. Listen in and learn from those who are crushing it out there, as well as those who have been crushed by business or their investments. Now, here's your host, Andrew Shutsky. Welcome back to another episode of Crushing Cashflow. I'm your host, as usual, Andrew Shutsky, and with me today is Spencer Hillegoss. Spencer, nice to meet you, and thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on today, Andrew. It's a blast. I'm looking forward to it. Fantastic. Well, let's dig in. Let's give you a little insights into Spencer's background. Spencer is the CEO and co-founder of Madison Investing, which is a firm, a real estate investment firm specializing in real estate syndications. Prior to getting into real estate, he held several executive roles in financial tech, including positions at Intuit and Gusto, and held over a 13-year track record of building high-performing teams across five different companies, three of which were valued over a billion dollars, so really impressive there. When he's not shifting the way people think about investing, you can find him listening to Metal, which is awesome. We got to talk about that. Adding to his tattoo collection and jogging through the Bay Area with his wife and two sons. I got to start with, you know, how does metal play into this? Because I'm also, I listen to metal quite a bit, especially in the workout area or the time of week that I work out. How do the worlds collide? How did you get into metal? And is that in any way related to your investing? (laughs) You know, I got to say thank you right off the bat, Andrew. You know, you you took it to the most fun place possible on the first question. I have to. Thank you. So, you know, I think like a lot of folks who tend to graduate into the heavier stuff or the heavier fare, if you will, within the musical taste range. I started off way back in the name, I don't know, high school, junior high with you know, the grunge, Nirvana stuff, got yep. into the, the, the punk phase and then got into the metal stuff after that. You kind of get into an acquired taste. And so I got roped into playing in bands. That's really the genesis of it. I'm a guitar player. I have been for many years. Okay. okay. And that's just fun. you know. So it still is a hobby. I don't perform on any kind of stage. I never really performed on an impressive stage, just dive bars galore and got to play on a local warp tour stage one time. But you know, but beyond that, that was the claim to fame. So now I perform for our two kids, four and seven year olds. You know, they like the really mild, you know, wheels on the bus. That's all I so got right now, it, Andrew. But it, it, I was saying before we kick off the show, it's a shame I don't share a video because we looked at Spencer. He's very unassuming. You have this stereotypical metal listener, which I don't think I fit the mold either of like covered head to toe and tattoos, piercings. And you look at Spencer, he's raising his arms. There's some sleeves, but it's very well hidden under the camera. So very distinctive here. <laughs> yeah. If I had known we're not using video, I would have let it all hang out a bit more, but yeah. That's there's... awesome. So very unassuming. I'm impressed. So, so I wanted to start off with something fun. That's really cool. So let's jump into the investing side. You talk a bit about playing financial offense versus defense. What does that mean to you? Wish our listeners know about that. Yeah. It sounds simple in concept. In our family, in our household, we have worked so hard to get to the point where we can say these things simply, wrap our heads around them easily, and communicate them to others in a clear, concise way. And so I'll try to do the same for you here, Andrew, to answer your question. You know, I think both you and I, what we have in common is we had pretty long and successful W-2 careers. You know, Mm -hmm. so I was in that world, as was Jennifer, my wife, and she's my co-founder and my wife. We had our separate careers, and that was very focused on climbing the ladder, traditional story, you know, thrilled with the progress of our 401k growth, thrilled with the progress of our income levels. Ultimately, our net worth was not tracking. I made the big leap to go to earlier and earlier stage companies. I was chasing the common narrative of the Silicon Valley big exit dream. 
I wanted that equity and I also wanted to frankly learn aggressively and be able to contribute in a bigger way. But unfortunately, a lot of folks right now, today, are still chasing that narrative. And so when I think of financial offense and defense, to me, that means actually getting way more in touch, very specifically means two different things, and I'll go into that in a moment, getting in touch with truly how to build the net worth and track that number. It's so simple to track, but man, we started that early when it was painful to look at. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we merged our finances. Not everyone has to take that bold step. Not every couple is the same as us. We know we we fed both of our finances into mint.com many years ago. Their options are out there now. And then we tracked that net worth number from being a scary in the red, negative small number, got out of debt together over many years. And now what does financial offense mean to me? It means not banking on a single income on a day job that is very much 100% active, meaning if I stop working, income stops flowing and going proactively to build additional income streams that flow into our household, therefore de-risking our livelihoods in the event that I get hit by a bus or something awful happens to one of us or both of us and our kids cannot take care of themselves any longer. As one, you know, a little bit morbid, but a really important example for folks. So financial offense means truly going outside the box of the W2 income and thinking more creatively about how to go and you can buy or build an income stream. You know, there's endless new ways every single day, Andrew, to go out in the market and do that. Start your own YouTube channel, make some ad revenue, build a product. Like an e, you can even charge for an ebook. Like there's endless ways to go and build one. You can also buy one. And that's actually how I frame it with our investors at Madison Investing and our investing club is, you know, if you're fresh out of college, you don't have financial footing, you're just kind of finding your way, getting your legs, you're getting your professional legs, if you will it wouldn't make a lot of sense to probably jump straight into something that has a minimum investment of $50,000 that's illiquid. However, if you're further along, you don't have time, but you do have capital. That's what I look at as financial offense for someone who's a little bit further along. Defense, totally different topic. You have to say a bit about frugality there. I'll say I'm not a hardcore fire movement guy. The whole notion of financially independent retire early, you know, good on you for folks who are into that movement. I have no problem with that just doesn't match our lifestyle. Yeah, I think that folks who want to be able to spend from time to time, <laughs> enjoy life, take your kids on a vacation, indulge a little bit, we believe that you can still do that. But we drive used cars, man. We don't shell out for fancy things very often unless we need them. Generally, I do like to play fancy stuff as an Xbox. Maybe that's about <laughs> really splurge, right? <laughs> yeah, real splurge. Bought a nice guitar for the first time in my life last year. That was about it. But beyond that, frugality and also taxes. And we're not going to get dry. I know a lot of people don't really want to think about and talk about taxes, but that's your biggest expense. Absolutely. If you're a W-2 employee, as you know very well, Andrew, and you and I have-, have Pain, Painfully so. Painfully so. Yes. 100%. You know, so I think having an awareness of that, every person out there needs to pay their legal share that they're obligated to pay. However, different forms of income are more tax efficient than others. And even realizing that, my goodness, I wish I had realized that earlier in my life, in my career, because now we approach things with both financial offense and defense. And that was a very long-winded answer to your question, but there's so many wonderful threads to pull on within those buckets. Oh my God, there's so much to unpack there. And I can guarantee there's a large percentage of people listening that can relate to a lot of things you just said. I want to kind of come back to a couple of things that stuck with me. You know, one is we talk about net worth quite a bit. And there's always the argument is, you know, what do you focus on? Is it net worth? Is it cash flow? 
you know, the first thing on people's mind is how do I, if I'm thinking about leaving my job or I'm thinking about just becoming secure and not depending on that W-2, whatever your fixed income may be, how do I do that? Right. So they're always thinking about how do I replace my, you know, whatever it is, $10,000 a month, 5,000, 50,000, it doesn't matter. You know, why focus on net worth versus, hey, cash flow? Is it sustainability? What goes through your head around that? Oh, that's an outstanding question. <laughs> it's know. something that we discuss quite a bit with different guests, and it's kind of gone through my mind. And on my whiteboard, actually, I have laid out over the next five years. And you know, I'm re-challenging, like, is net worth really the main KPI or should it be? Yeah, you got to have some base to fall back mm-hmm. on because ultimately anything can happen. You can lose a source of income, but mm-hmm. why is net worth you know the main KPI in your mind? Or maybe it isn't, but let's talk about that. Sure. Yeah. I'll give a counterpoint KPI that I think could be really helpful for folks to ground it as well. When you're sitting there and you're feeling yucky, maybe you're digesting this as your very first podcast in terms of investing or real estate you've ever listened to ever, well, then you made a good choice because this is like a good source of info. But further than that, Maybe you're sitting there and you're like, hey, net worth, I don't want to look at my net worth because it sucks or, you know, or you're, you're not feeling good yeah. about where it's at. You might be in a place that we were at a few years ago where we found that to be the case. Like we wanted to track it. Okay. I looked at the number, then I wanted to put it away and never look at it again because it was just painful. It, was, it stung. It stung because I had a lot of fun in my 20s, frankly. I found out very effectively how to go into debt while traveling through Europe and having too much fun. A lot of people can relate to that too, I think. So how did I go out and move on to something more pragmatic? Well, Jennifer and I sat down, took a whole weekend. This is many years ago now, before we made the business out of what started out very organically for our own investments. And we said, the number that we can track very cleanly and simply and understand is the monthly income number that we need to cover our expenses all in. And we're mm-hmm. talking you know, the basics on the mortgage payments yeah. that we have, you know, if many people have rents all the way up to stuff for groceries, kids and beyond. What is the monthly income number that we need to aim for to cover all of our life expenses? And that also means active income and passive income. Yeah. And some people want to play the game and work until they're no longer physically able to do so. Try to go convince, for example, a highly paid physician who trained decades in their career to quit their being a doctor, right? Yeah. So some people want to sit on a beach and good on them. I would get bored out of my mind, but we do want passive income and a pretty high percentage of that. So that was the number we went to. Mm-hmm. If you don't like net worth yet, focus on that perhaps as a first go around. The reason why net worth matters though, and why I think it matters the most is something that I'll say, I'm sure plenty of folks that are very big financiers will hear this and roll their eyes and think I'm oversimplifying it. But I think it's important for a lot of folks. Money is used to make more money by people who are the best at using it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, just to say it at a fundamental level, there's a thousand different ways that someone can go and use the wealth yeah. they already have to then create more wealth out of it. Exactly. I don't know a better way to explain that without getting way further into it, but that's it. You can borrow against it. Take yes. the, the Bezos example has got to be the most popularized one in the news right now. I mean, no one's going to, I have no expectations nor desire to get that wealthy. Frankly, there's problems that come along with that and a lot more work, yeah. but I'll just say Jeff Bezos is brilliant for many reasons. And he goes out and borrows. Mm-hmm. People want to give him money to give him a loan because they can say, we know you're good for it, man. <laughs> Look at all the assets you have. We're going to give you such an incredible loan. You barely pay yeah. any interest on it. And so the more you have, the more he has, the more people are willing to give him new money mm-hmm. at a very, very cheap rate. And that's what it's all about. And so whether it's a cash out refinance on a primary residence, 
whether it's going and taking that money to invest in something that gives you a better return, whether it's having a net worth high enough to be considered an accredited investor, therefore investing in the types of deals that I would imagine Andrew is able to work on, I'm able to work on. All of this stuff is tied up into your net worth that I could probably just keep yeah. on rambling with reasons why it's so helpful to have a high net worth. One word comes to mind, it's leverage, right? And the ability yeah. to access that and leverage your net worth, right? Whether it be if you're in the multifamily or real estate space, you can get paid just for having your net worth as being a signer on a loan with really no yes. recourse to your own personal obligations. You can get paid as a key principal, right? So Incredible. literally get paid for just having your net worth. So yeah. you know, you're right. I just think a leverage is the main summary, but that's an outstanding explanation better than Thank I can you. do. Likewise, I think leverage is like is the key to accelerating it too. Absolutely. So let's talk a bit about you left some really high potential, high profile, executive level jobs, some sure high income. Like you said, comes with that high taxes. Why did you decide to walk away and what did it take for you to do that? There's a lot of people listening. You know, I can guarantee they're thinking, oh my God, like I don't know if I can do this for 10 more years, five more years, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull the trigger. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A mentor once told me many years ago when it comes to any decision in life, there's a push and there's a pull. And I believe that to be true. And I'll unpack that for a moment. A pull would be something that you want to go do. It draws you in. It's a good thing. A push would be the opposite of that. (laughs) You want to run from it. It it doesn't bring you joy. Maybe it's a drain on you financially or physically, emotionally, or otherwise. Mm -hmm. The push and a pull. That was absolutely the case for me. The push was, I'll give a very specific example. When I was at the previously fastest growing quote unquote tech startup I'd ever worked at, the one that I, you know, knock on wood, will still have a really favorable IPO pretty soon. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Nice. uh, you know, that was a brutally challenging year, just like the hardest professional year I've ever had. I went into it willingly, but I will say at the time we had our first son, he was an infant, didn't see him for a couple of weeks, felt like I think for a time, because I was going and working 80 hours a week in the office. And that was not even including at home work. You know, when people think of the Silicon Valley grind narrative, which has started to kind of finally fall off from popularization because of the great resignation and the current job market, et cetera. That was brutal. It was truly, truly hard and taxing on me. And so that was part of the push. I wanted to find something that allowed me to be a better dad and be a present husband and do that on a sustainable basis. So very much in that category that you outlined earlier, Andrew, which is like, I don't know if I could keep this up for the next 20, 30 years of my life. Hmm. And on the poll, I grew up in a real estate household And I used to be embarrassed about bringing that up. My dad was a broker for 30 years, residential real estate, ended up doing like one of the top five in the country for a period of time in the 90s. He made me work in his business as a teenager. I hated it. I wanted nothing to do with it. And I scared me out of real estate into tech companies for a decade. And then I came back somehow and here I am working on it. I love it. I bring all that up because I saw what happened when his business imploded. And, and <laughs> scary. <laughs> sure. It was hard time. We, we kind of call it the dark decade in my family because it just caused the domino effect. I won't go way into it beyond what people want to hear and go TMI, but I'll just say that I lost my younger brother to cancer. Parents got divorced oh as a result. There was a bunch of other bad stuff that happened. And as a result, we had to downsize our life significantly. That matters. And that's a pull, even though it doesn't sound like one, because yeah, it's, it, that whole experience, watching the one income dynamic and what happens when that one income from an active broker income that was my dad's go away, it like stuck with me and left this like impression on how I see what it means to be 
a dad, you know, like what it means to be a parent, what it means to yeah. be a, a provider. And I think that now the pull would be not only has this whole type of investing in private deals and multifamily and storage and private placements helped our wealth and our family, it's allowed me to then start making an impact and actually legitimately helping other people do the same. And so I find this to be invigorating. I think it's a more effective way to get excited than drinking a cup of coffee, which is saying a lot for me because I like coffee. And so I think that's got to be the pull is thinking through all those experiences and just knowing that like, this is deeply fulfilling to work on. Yes. I walked away from a career that was like highly paid, you know, engaging, worked with brilliant people, learn from them every day. But this is a line of work, right? People just don't assume that they can go and invest in these types of deals and they have no awareness of them. And just generally, and being able to help people with that is a very big pull. Well, I got to say, we have a lot of great guests in the show, and I've enjoyed a lot of the ones we have in the past, but it has to be one of the most well-thought-out ad hoc questions and answers, <laughs> more, more answers and questions oh, that I've had. So that was phenomenal. So Thanks, if, you had to, if you had to come back to over the last five, 10 years, you had one piece of advice for someone looking to get into the game that you're in, what would you say? Oof. You know... One of the things that I don't know if you see this, but I've seen this now so many dozens, perhaps hundreds of times when connecting with just hardworking, brilliant people from all walks of life as they're evaluating how to get involved with entrepreneurship, potentially, or even just deploying a five or six digit number of their hard earned money into an investment that they won't have any say over how it's used. Yep. Meaning like a limited partner in a syndication or a fund, let's say. And What's challenging, and you can't find many good blogs, or sometimes you find a podcast like this that'll actually hit right on it, but it's just the toughest thing that is the least educated on. And that is picking the strategy that matches your actual goals. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So to be specific and actually useful here, not using too much heady abstract stuff, I'll just say it this way, that spending more time on active versus passive is not an exercise of a binary yes, no, I want to go be a full-time syndicator or flipper or burr manager or fund manager versus I want to sit around, work my day job, and then do one LP investment a year. That's not the two options. Yeah. It is very much a decision on a very complex, long spectrum of involvement. And making sure that you at least don't dive down into doing something because you like a certain type of asset like, oh, I want to be active because I like multifamily. Mm-hmm. That's a half-baked thought. I'm probably going to offend a few people with that. And if it does offend you, I'm sorry. But if it helps you just as much, that's a good thing. Because yeah. what that really means is the strategy still is not being discussed. You're talking about an asset. And what you need to be talking about is literally, how do you want to spend your day? Yeah. <laughs> like, do you want to manage an asset as in utilities, as in property management? Mm-hmm. Do you want to go and work with tenants directly who will not always be nice to you, who will occasionally be litigious. Okay. If you want to do that, be an asset manager. If you want to actually go and work on the economics of stuff, if you want to like underwrite deals, that's the focus you're going to want to lean into on the active side. If you don't want to do any of that stuff, maybe you love your day job actually in some levels. Yeah. Then don't become a real estate professional, (laughs) (laughs) please. It sounds so simple and it is, but it's not easy to execute, right? Exactly right. And this is not intended as a disheartening, demotivating thing. I just strongly encourage people to wrestle with what is the strategy, but start with the goal. You can't answer that question until you say, 
what do you want out of all this stuff, man? Are you trying to leave a job behind? Or are you trying to get into something that you actually are enthusiastic about that, that is aligned with what you're good at? Don't go underwrite deals all day if you hate math. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds so simple, but very few people follow that guidance. It's so powerful, so awesome. And actually a lot of great tips throughout the last few minutes here. So I want to thank you for your time as we kind of get close to an end here. How do listeners want to get in contact with you? How do they find out more about yourself and Madison? Yeah. Thanks for making such a, such a great discussion, Andrew. Absolutely. It's so much fun. Yeah. So they can reach out to me at madisoninvesting.com. We also are on LinkedIn. So I'm on LinkedIn. I haven't been as posting as much recently, but I still do check it and I get messages and I'm happy to reply to folks when they reach out. So yeah, but our website's the main one, madisoninvesting.com. Fantastic. Thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Andrew. It's been a blast. Thanks for listening in with us for another episode of the Crushing Cashflow Podcast. We have a small favor to ask of all of our listeners. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Each subscription and rating will help us massively toward our goal of helping reach as many listeners as possible each week. Thank you very much once again for listening. We're thrilled to have you with us as part of this journey, and we can't wait to share more of these stories with you. Stay tuned for much more to come. 